Blog Talk Radio. We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We'll rock it like you're never gonna see us again Come on over Come on over Good evening, everyone. It is 11 p.m. and Pure Gold is live and on the air for this Tuesday night, February 23rd, 2016. David, you there? Woo! Did you hear my mm-hmm. intro? <laughs> uh, no, I did not. For some reason, I, I've been having issues with my phone. I keep getting kicked out, kicked off. I don't know what the hell's going on, so I apologize for that, sir. I did not hear the intro. No clue what you said. Not really interested because I'm sure it was awful. Yeah, so um, give us the contact information. We'll get the show started, please. <laughs> Folks, uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties, but to be honest with you, it wouldn't be pure gold if it wasn't horrible uh, technical difficulties. If you'd like to be a part of the show, of course, check us out our website, puregoldpg.com, which has probably still not been updated in like six months, maybe two years, who knows. Um, but calling in 877-633-9003 or 929-477-2593. Joe, take us away and uh, tell us what we have on top today. Thanks, Dave. Well, I gotta tell you, if you if you asked me 48 hours ago if we were gonna have a show, I had told Dave that there's no content whatsoever. But um, you know, the WWE has delivered with some content, albeit all uh, pretty much I'd say 99% negative, uh, and that's why we're here tonight to discuss what happened at Fastlane on Monday Night Raw, and we're on the the bumpy road, and uh, definitely a bumpy road to WrestleMania 32, which will be in Dallas on. April 3rd. So joining us tonight on the program will be former 1640 AM and current 1640 <laughs> PWPR contributors King, King Firehawk and Ken Reedy. Two names that, um, when, I, when I say those two names, Dave, um, it does flash back to our days back in Newark, uh, 1640 Ironbound AM. Yeah, it brings back some really bad memories. Uh, Pat and Ken are probably single-handedly responsible for ruining our lives, or mine specifically, since I was the one in charge of getting all the content for that worthless radio station. But, uh, no, seriously, you know, Ken, a.k.a. King Firehawk, and, uh, I'm sorry, Pat, a.k.a. King Firehawk, and Ken Reedy, you know, uh, IWF legend extraordinaire that he is now, which we'll get into that with him. It's great to be able to have those guys back on the show. It's been a very long time, but, you know, there was a time where, I don't know if you remember this, sir, but having them on in-studio, how exciting was it to have actual in-studio guests? I mean, Ken stopped by, Pat stopped by. It was just awesome, sir. That it really brings us back to the uh, the golden age of uh, 1640. Well, not only that, but you remember you actually were developing a lot of content for the station, and you we actually had lined up Ken Reedy and King Firehawk for their own shows. Uh, we were just introducing them, I believe. We're at that point, 
and we're actually going to start getting some advertisers and some sponsors. And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, King Firehawk did get some sponsors for us. Thank God we didn't go fulfill those uh, obligations because I'm sure we'd be serving like 10 to 20 years in the state pen. Yeah, as a matter of fact, he uh, he was. <laughs> well, probably me, considering I you know I was the one in charge. Um, you know, we did have uh, some some guests. Uh, you know, they were our guests, obviously, in studio. They had started their own shows. We had a lot of technical difficulties with Ken's show for some reason, where I actually had to go out and get interns, which was kind of crazy for, you know, the radio station that it was having interns. But, yeah, Firehawk had lined up a couple of sponsors. Uh, you know, they were ready to fork over the cash, as it were. And like you said, sir, it's a good thing that they didn't. But, um, you know, both shows got off the ground. But, unfortunately, Alvaro, the turd that he is, ruined that, sir, and pretty much ruined my life. Well, like I was saying, uh, if it was 48 hours ago, I don't think we would have had a show tonight because February is just like an absolute dead month in, the, in sports because, you know, you got spring training that just started, and who really wants to talk about Cespedes and his uh, $65,000 car that he rolled in uh, to spring training yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically Love WrestleMania it. season. Did you see that you know, thing, by the way? Did you, did you see that terrible oh, I did. car? I mean, that, that, what, what an ugly car. It looks like a – I mean, it looks like a – Go-kart, like a souped-up go-kart. It's kind of crazy, sir. <laughs> I mean, it, you're right. I, I don't know. I just I think that's the only news that I, I could tell you about in, in regards to the Mets. I mean, no, no injuries so far, thank God. And, uh, you know, spring training is just underway just now. So we you can't talk about spring training this early uh, in the year. So the, if you're a wrestling fan, you're supposed to be excited about the road to WrestleMania. But uh, I'm going to be honest with you, sir. I, I think me and you are going to break it down and we're going to tell it like it is, like our catchphrase is, and we're going to have Ken and uh, King Firehawk on, and um, it's good to have both of those guys on because they're wrestling fans as we are. Um, unfortunately, uh, I mean, I think we're going to have to rip into Ken Reedy if he's going to be so optimistic like you think he might be uh, when he calls in. Wow, I, I see we have uh, some more technical difficulties here. Um we also have a, a, a fan of King Firehawk uh, listening in. Um, just uh, checking it out, sir. Uh, can you actually still hear me? I know you're in the chat room in our PG lounge, but just wondering if um, you're able to hear us still, or we're having this bad of technical difficulties. Um, so as as we uh, as we get through our glitches here, hopefully um, we could uh, get Dave back on the air because. Something is uh, definitely up with his phone, so um, I'm glad that we still have our one fan that's uh, in our lounge right now, um, and you can also join us in our lounge if you go to blogtalkradio.com slash puregoldpg. King Firehawk, I believe, will be joining us first, and then Ken Reedy a little bit later in the show, and if they're both on there at the same time, hey, why not? We will uh, merge the call and have one big conference call. So. To the one fan that's listening out there, if you do want to call in and just uh, give your take while we get Dave uh, back on the air, the number to call in is 929-477-2593. I'll patch you through, and uh, we can talk some wrestling as we get Dave back on the air. But um, as I was saying when while Dave tries to reconnect, uh, Fastlane was this past Sunday night, and um, I'll be honest with you, a lot of things don't make sense, and a lot of things happen that, to me, honestly, was uh, pretty easily. Um, it was pretty easy to predict. I mean, you had Roman Reigns beat uh, win in the main event at the Triple Threat, and now he goes on to face Triple H at WrestleMania 32. Um, I don't, I don't know if the fans are really 
really into that match at all. I mean, Roman has tried the past year to get over with the fans, and um, other than him going heel, maybe, um, I don't think the fans are really buying into this feud. Um, so you have that match. You had another match that I felt like could have waited until WrestleMania. You had AJ Styles taking on Chris Jericho, and those two guys are great performers. And um, I think Dave's uh, joining us back. Dave, you there? Uh, yeah, sorry. I apologize. I mean, you know, I don't know what's wrong with my phone, to be honest with you. I've been having issues with it. i got to call the company tomorrow and go nuts on them because, of course, the one time we, you know, we're doing PG, we're ready to go, we're rocking and rolling. We've got about 12 guests lined up. We have people listening in. We have all kinds of action ready to happen, and everything goes down the toilet, which, of course, like I said before, is typical pure gold, sir. Well, before we flush this uh, show down the toilet, we do have somebody in the lounge listening to us, I believe, a fan of King Firehawk. And um, if I'm not mistaken, he's uh, ready to come on the show. So let's get him on so we can talk some wrestling. Uh, are you sure it's the right person, sir? I mean, you know, we got to – don't we have a call screen or something going on here? Let, <laughs> let me just check that out first, sir. You go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I believe it's the fan that I asked to actually call in. Uh, it might not be King Firehawk himself. Uh, the, our fan that's in the lounge right now, I asked him to call in because uh, we were having technical difficulties. I wanted to get his take on Fastlane. So um, as Dave screens, like I was saying, uh, Chris Jericho and AJ Styles, two great wrestlers, technical wrestlers, and um, I don't know why the WWE forced um, them to have their feud before WrestleMania, but maybe they'll have one more match at WrestleMania. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, it was a good match to see again. AJ Styles won the rubber match at Fastlane, so that was I thought that was probably one of the highlights of the night for the pay-per-view. Um, other matches that I to me made no sense was like, for example, the Wyatt family, a, a, a faction or a, a family, whatever. All right, Dave, you there? Yes, I'm here, sir, and I'd like to introduce the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, somebody who has not been on this program in, dare I say it, years. But, uh, you know, just a great guy all around and just so many different things to discuss with him. Just a big shout-out to the one and only from the Ken Reedy Show. Sir, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Hey, Ken. How are you? Are, you're doing good. It's funny because I, I was just doing the call screening, and I'm like, hello, who's this? And he's like, Ken? It's Ken? Hello? Ken? <laughs> it sounds, Ken doesn't sound like I remember, but of course that, that'll wear away. Ken, I, I know you've been up to a lot of different things. Uh, it's been years, literally, since we've talked on the phone and had you on the program. Um, before you came on, Joe and I were discussing the, the good old days at uh, 1640 a.m. over in uh, the, the, the heart of Newark. I mean, with all the technical difficulties and having to get to, like, nine different interns and, of course, you know, just, just the great times that we had on there. I mean, uh, tell us, Ken, what are your fondest memories of Iron Pound Radio, the great station in Newark that no longer exists? Yeah, good good old days is that's that's a good term for it. I just say, uh, you know, what, I mean, it, it's funny. I'm hoping someday, you know, we'll look back fondly and like we'll all be like making money, doing these shows, having a good time, and we'll look back on it. I mean, I, I just remember, you know, I, I guess my my fondest memory is probably just that that first time going in there and you know walking in the store and being like, well. Where's the radio station? And <laughs> what the hell am I doing? You don't think that in terms of like, hey, I'm I'm going to a radio station. You know, I've 
I've been to a couple, and I'm like, I, you know, you figure you're going to walk in, and, you know, the radio station's kind of hidden in the back. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely interesting times. But fun, you know, stressful at times. Tech was uh, definitely a, um, an obstacle, to say the least, but uh, it was still fun. Yeah, definitely. Before we, yeah, before we get into the, the uh, current state of the WWE, Kendo, how's your show doing and uh, wh- what have you been up to? I know you. Pl- I want you to plug what you were actually doing before you came on the air tonight so uh, the fans could hear what you were doing. Yeah, well, the show's doing well. Um, you know, keep uh, like like you guys, just keep plugging away, try to get better guests, uh, increase our listenership, you know, getting involved, uh, you know, 1640 PWPR. Uh, project has been great. I got to give a lot of credit to King Firehawk because he's uh, really spearheaded that. And uh, I've actually gotten into the ring. I've actually started wrestling. Um, you know, why not? I figure I reach my 40s. Why not start my wrestling career now? So, um, <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, uh, it's just one of those things, man, where, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a dream. And, uh, you know, I'm not delusional. I know I'm not going to be, uh, you know, heading out to Dallas to main event WrestleMania, but, uh, you know, a dream to get in the squared circle. So, uh, past few matches, uh, been putting in the work in the ring and, uh, I wrestle for a promotion called IWF, uh, independent wrestling federation out of Nutley, New Jersey. <laughs> and, uh, they had Tito Santana there tonight to give us, uh, a seminar on, uh, the business and, uh, working in the ring and character development and things like that. So that was really cool tonight. You know, funny story is that Dave and I uh, met Kevin Knight when we first started Pure Gold, and we had—I think he was one of our maybe our third guest ever. And I remember we lined up about like the, we didn't really know what we were doing at the time. We lined up about thirty questions, and uh, I think Ken answer, uh, Kevin answered about like three of them, and he would take like about five <laughs> minutes to each, answer each question. No, no, listen, <laughs> Joe, Joe, if you're gonna. If you're going to tell a story, you got to tell it right. It literally became the Kevin Knight show for like an hour where Kevin just started telling stories and just, you know, going to commercial break. I mean, he pretty much took over the show. Let's, let's be honest there. <laughs> he's, I mean, he likes, you know, he loves his wrestling. I mean, he's, he's, he's talented. Um, he's got a good grasp. And one, one of the reasons, you know, being, a, you know, a little bit older, um, you know, the style that he really teaches there at, at IWF, you know, a lot of wrestling – Nowadays, especially, you know, certain independent promotions, you see a lot of matches with spot fests, um, you know, a lot of just, hey, who can out-crazy the next guy? And, uh, you know, Kevin and, and the IWF, they really teach, uh, you know, that, that old-school style, the, the the basics, you know. It's, it's a really good, you know, I would recommend that school to anyone starting out. It's really a solid uh, base as far as becoming a pro wrestler, learning the chaining, learning, uh, you know, the, the proper technique for lockups, you know, really, you know, being able to tell a story, they really stress the psychology there, uh, you know, how to work a match. And, uh, you know, those are things that I think, you know, even, you know, the WWE as well as other promotions is sorely lacking. So um, as far as, you get in the business and want to learn what to do in that ring. I think the IWF is a great place to at least start your training. You know what's funny, Ken, is that uh, when we were me and Dave were doing some production notes and talking about the show tonight, and I was like, "We I have Ken Re- Ken Reedy coming on," and he was saying, uh, "Well, Ken's going to be giving a positive spin on the current WWE product because he's a very positive guy about the WWE." But you 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 touched on upon it uh, a little bit there, so give me your take. 
I mean, we're going to go from Fastlane to Raw to WrestleMania, but I think the biggest news uh, the last couple of days has been the return of Shane McMahon, which nobody expected. So when you first heard him, uh, heard the music last night and you heard him come out, did you have, uh, did you mark out like um, I did? Because uh, I'm a huge Shane McMahon fan. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can't say that I'm a huge Shane McMahon. I mean, I love Shane McMahon. I mean, I think he's, uh, you know, I, he's not a mark out guy for me, but I'm a huge fan of. I mean, what that guy, you know, it's amazing to to even look at that guy as like a non wrestler, you know, because I guess technically he is. But I mean, some of the stuff he did in the ring and, uh, you know, as far as the spots that he was able to pull off were just just incredible. And I was, I was psyched to see him back. I, I found the 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 segment on Raw to be very intriguing because a lot of people who are critical of the WWE would say, like, purely shooting on the product, that creative is out of whack, just look at the ratings, just look at the stocks. And and Shane McMahon can't put that out there, so it's kind of, a, you know, a, a shoot work kind of vibe. I mean, you wonder how much of that was scripted and how much of that was... Uh, just him like putting it out there. So I mean, I, I I'm almost hoping on some levels that you know again shoot work that perhaps this is an indication that uh, the product could perhaps move in a in a different better direction. But I don't know if it was quite the mark out, but it definitely popped pretty hard when Shane McMahon came out. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great to see, and it's funny because Vince and Shane look close to the same age, which is amazing to me. Shane with all the white hair and everything else. I mean, they look like brothers more than father and son. It's funny because as I'm watching this segment, all I could think about is, wow, the only McMahon with a true babyface gene is in the ring, and that's Shane because, I mean, the fans loved him. He was sweating profusely, which I, I actually thought that was funny. You see him every five seconds just, like, wiping the sweat from his forehead, so maybe he was nervous. He got an amazing ovation, which, you know, you kind of wouldn't expect for Shane, but, I mean, geez, it's been, like, six or seven years, I think, since we've seen him, I know he's been gone from the company for about six years, um, and it, it's really cool to see. Now, um, we have another guest online here, so I want to get him to chime in. Uh, I'm going to introduce Pat and then continue with this, because I kind of want Ken and Pat's take, um, you know, simultaneously, one after the other, I guess you could say, on this whole situation. So we're going to bring in the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Pat, a.k.a. King Firehawk, sir. Long time no speak. How are you doing? It is such a pleasure and a common thing that King Firehawk follows. Barely can I do it, but follows the great American <laughs> Bulldog, Ken Reedy. I've done on Ironbound Radio, and I've done on 1640 PWPR, the home of Pro okay. Wrestling Podcast Radio. Ken is the man. Hey, Joe and Dave, I've been waiting all day to talk to you guys. How you doing, Joe? Good. How are you, sir? As always, I am ramped up to talk to you guys. Now, I've been listening off air. Ken, as always, a stoic personality you are, my friend. How are you doing, Pumped, pumped man. Pumped. Yeah, you should you be. Uh, listen, Nobody's going to yell at me to shut up in the studio tonight. <laughs> I think I think we're gonna have to cut Pat off there. Pat, it's great talking to you. Have a wonderful night. <laughs> Listen, um, I just What's think up, it's guys? funny because it, it's been a long time since the four of us had any sort of like actual, you know, human interaction, but um, with each other, of course. 
But the reason I wanted you to come in, and I figured, hey, I'd let Pat wait for about an hour, just let him sit and you know hear the great Ken Reedy talk. But um, I want to get your guys' I opinion told. on something since we, since we're talking about Shane McMahon. Joe and I tend to be very negative. Uh, is you know, if you ever had a conversation with us about wrestling, I know Ken. You know, you 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 do your your yearly thing, which I'm sure you're doing this year. You go to WrestleMania. You kind of plan your vacations around it. Um, but I'm not sure. I haven't listened to your show in a while, and, and we we haven't really talked, and um, I haven't gotten into this with Pat. Last night I'm watching the Shane McMahon segment. I thought it was great. Then to me and Joe, this is the two of us. I'm going to speak for us. I know Joe will chime in later. It kind of started to devolve, and we're wondering if if there's another shoe that's going to drop or if really we're going into WrestleMania 32, which neither one of us is even remotely uh, pumped up for. It, yes, it's WrestleMania, which kind of – carries this mystique with it and carries like, all right, well, you got to watch it. Of course, we're, we're going to be watching it no matter what. But I look up and down the card. I don't see any compelling matches, and we'll get to all that later, but I want to stick with Shane and Taker. I look at that match. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand how Shane is basically, you know, has Vince by the grapefruits, as it were, financially, according to the story, and yet somehow he agrees to a match of Vince's choosing ends up being The Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. Um, let me start with Ken first because I'm really curious to hear his take. I look at that match, and, I mean, it's going to be a great spot fest if that's what they stick with. I'd love to see it at some other pay-per-view, but I just don't understand booking that at WrestleMania given The Undertaker's history, and he's going against a guy who's been away for so long. What do you think about that match as it stands, Ken? Um, to me, like right now, I, I mean, it's a mixed bag, and I'm curious to see, um, you know, if, if anything else unfolds here. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to say, yeah, we, we're going to Dallas, and, you know, the selling point for WrestleMania honestly has become WrestleMania. Um, right. It's not so much right. the, the, the booking or the matches or anything. It's that weekend. I mean, in all honesty, you know, half the reason, because, We've talked about not going or taking a year off because we've gone every year. It's our vacation, but we actually it was it was the stadium. Like we wanted to see that stadium. We wanted to see Jerry's World. So that uh, you know more than Mania. Honestly, we we also have friends in Dallas. So um, I think the event as a whole has become more of a selling point than how they actually book it. Which you know, depending on how you look at it, could be construed as a negative or a positive. As far as this match, I think that the, on the negative side, you're 100% right with the storytelling. You know, Shane McMahon comes back, seemingly has this, like, you know, back room agreement, contract, whatever's going on that, you know, he can ask for whatever he wants, but then agrees to, like, a match. Like, it seems like Shane could have Raw just by saying he wants Raw, but he agrees to have this match. So the storytelling right. at that point is wonky at best. It, it's like it was just an excuse to get him in the ring with Taker. Now, I get it to give the WWE a little, cut them a little bit of slack with the injury bug that's hit that company as of late. Uh, they got to get Taker on the card. I get it that they're in a bind. What are we going to do? We have to make the match special. And that's where I think the positive side of this match comes in. The one thing with The Undertaker at WrestleMania, outside of him losing to Brock Lesnar, 
Um, but especially like the you know him against uh, uh, Bray Wyatt. You know, you, you you look at these matches and there's there's not that suspense factor. There's not that that factor of geez, could could Taker actually lose at WrestleMania? And I think you need right. that. And when you look at the when you look at the current roster, um, now the rumor was they were going to book Cena versus Undertaker, which to me that gives you a lot of suspense there. You know which direction they're going to go in. When you book right. this match, and it depends on what they do in ring, um, but there's some suspense there because you have they they put the stipulation, they brought Shane back. You would think, again, behind the scenes, they're not bringing Shane back just to have a WrestleMania, you know, run and then be done. Like, listen right, to ovation. Right. They gotta have bigger plans for Shane O'Mac. However, are you really gonna have the Undertaker, the Undertaker, the Phenom? Lose that what could possibly be his last WrestleMania? Is he going to lose to Shane McMahon? So right, you right, can make exactly. a case for both sides legitimately winning this match, which adds some intrigue um, as far as what the outcome could be. So I, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, when it comes to creative, that it's an absolute slam dunk. But so I'm not going to completely bash it. I think it, it's got some potential. Let's just see how they develop the storyline moving forward and what they give us in the ring at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, the way I saw it was that Shane was going to come out and, you know, again, have Vince buy the proverbial balls and just say, like, you know, <laughs> I have uh, I have ownership of the company. You gave me some of it when the company was going downhill, when he lost that big chunk of money that one day on the stock market. Um, I just didn't expect uh, Undertaker to be Shane's opponent at WrestleMania, especially when like Shane is a face, and you would think that Undertaker is a face too. So why would Undertaker right. agree to wrestle for Vince McMahon and keep keep uh, under the same leadership with the authority? So some of the stuff didn't really make sense, and uh, I'd like to also get uh, King Firehawk's take on it before we move on to the next uh, subject. Well, first off. I think, like, every type of fan you have out there, a Mark, a Sheep, a old-school fan, a new fan, everybody popped for Shane McMahon, and it was fun. And that's Definitely. a lot of people missed the point a lot lately. And really, it's the fun things that are rare that you have to enjoy. So I thought that was kick-ass cool that Shane McMahon came back, like everyone. And then I started laughing my ass off when it was announced <laughs> that it was a Hell in a Cell, Undertaker, and Shane. I just still find that beyond funny however like star wars <laughs> where there is a dark side and the jedis there's balance to the force you got stephanie and vince and triple h you know pretty much the authority right they're on that side somehow that who even knows undertaker's going to do his bidding which makes it interesting but i i believe a hundred percent this is just a stall tactic in order to get John Cena, if he's healthy enough, back into play here. And that, in fact, right. it will end up being Cena versus Undertaker. Uh, and there's there's the Jedis, the good side. You got sort of Shane and Cena. Cena will save the day and beat Undertaker probably. And, uh, you know, he'll get raw uh, Shane. So in that whole scenario, eh, it, it sounds like hot garbage, but it's, it could be fun. You know what I mean? It's the funniest thing, though, is there's no part of me that wants to see the Undertaker lose to Shane. There's no part right. of me that wants to see the Undertaker win any more WrestleMania. 
And there's no part of me that wants to see Undertaker go over any of the young guys on the card you could throw them with, like a Finn Bell or everybody dreams about or whatever. It doesn't make sense. And I don't, I'm not digging anymore these one-shot deals with Undertaker. Just, I, don't, I think it's done. I think with Brock, which I predicted the night before, that is on audio, print, tape, and it's there. I said Brock was going to beat Undertaker, and it was right. It was the right thing to do. It was uh, perfect. And uh, and now you got to mess with Undertaker WrestleMania because he's not anything meaningful. So I think the meaning could be if somehow he makes a deal with the devil himself, Vince, and they do pair up. It's opening the spot for Cena. And if Cena, in fact, cannot wrestle, boy, I don't know, man. I think you got to really kayfabe watching Shane and the Undertaker and how many people are going to help Shane in that one? You know, everybody's screwed by the authority, I would imagine. So <laughs> it has a has a potential for fun with a huge failure in a way. But even in failure, I think it's just funny. You're going to be laughing every time Shane gets some offense in on Undertaker. So I, I, I just think for the fun factor, it's okay. Well, that's the thing is you made so many interesting points there, uh, King Firehawk. And even Ken, and I gotta say, I'm gonna continue. I just throw this out there. I was totally wrong. I thought, again, going back years, I thought Ken was gonna think, you know, like just love everything uh, WWE and just really super positive. And to hear Ken say that, you know, you thought about not going to WrestleMania and everything else, and kind of your take on this really, it, it surprised me a little bit. But again, it's it's because we haven't really been in touch for so long. Um, but I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. But getting back to the the main event here, the point of Shane versus Undertaker, I thought the same thing as Pat. I started thinking, you know, I, I wasn't, I kind of started laughing, but I'm like, are you are you kidding me? Is that really what they're doing? Joe and I were texting each other back and forth. I, I thought to myself, this match makes no sense at WrestleMania. If it was any other pay-per-view, if it was SummerSlam, hell, I would love to see Shane against Taker, Hell in a Cell at SummerSlam, at the Royal Rumble, at any other pay-per-view. This pay-per-view, though, makes no sense to me. And I agree with, I mean, again, I've I've never been a huge Undertaker fan. I never liked the streak, but that's me. I, I know that Joe and I are in the minority with wrestling fans when it comes to that. But I, I kind of look at Pat, what he said, I'm like, man, I don't want to see Taker lose to Shane. I don't want to see Shane lose this match, but I really don't want to see uh, the Undertaker and his, you know, the greatness at WrestleMania and his whole career, and he's going to lose to Shane McMahon at WrestleMania, really? It's a total <laughs> mismatch. Yeah, it sounds funny. It's a total mismatch in every sense of the word. The the match itself makes no sense. And, and I, again, I don't like John Cena, but I'm thinking if somehow Cena could miraculously defy science like he said on Instagram or Twitter and be in this match, then I think the match has juice to it because for the first time in history, I would be rooting for John Cena to win at WrestleMania. It would literally be the first time ever since he's you know come on the scene that I'd be rooting for him. But, again, I, I kind of don't want to see Taker lose. Brock already beat him. The whole aura, the mystique is gone. If it's his last WrestleMania, he's going to go out against Shane McMahon. It just it doesn't make any sense on any level, especially going back to the story. But this match ties into another match that I want to talk to you guys about. Um, and it just – talk about mismatch. It's just the booking baffles me. This WrestleMania, there's to me, there's no juice. I totally agree with Ken. It is it, The selling point at this point, it's no longer the streak. It's WrestleMania. That's it. It's it's a big event. It's you know it's like the Super Bowl. All right, you're watching it just because of the event that it is. It doesn't matter if, who's playing. It's just all right. Let's watch it. Which sucks because for so many years Joe and I would be pumped to watch WrestleMania to see certain matches. Just really excited. But 
that's a big mismatch. But the biggest mismatch on the card right now, Dean Ambrose against Brock Lesnar. I don't understand the booking of that. I get that they've been crossing paths. But when I look at Dean, and I like Dean, he looks like a hobo trying to fight against, like, a transformer. I mean, Brock Lesnar is legitimately an animal, a beast, whatever you want to say. But when I look at those two guys, I just cannot imagine that being entertaining unless Dean is allowed to use a gun, a spiked baseball bat, and possibly a flamethrower in this no-DQ match. I just I don't see it being interesting because they're, they don't even look like they belong in the same in the same arena. I don't like Roman Reigns, but at least Roman has a look. So you say, well, that guy looks legit. He looks like he could legitimately beat somebody up. Dean looks like he could legitimately get beaten up by everyone in the back, including Lillian, Tony Chimmel, Howard Finkel, bring back Jim Ross, bring back Harvey Whippleman. I mean, (laughs) as a matter of fact, that's who he reminds me of, Harvey Whippleman. Ken, give me your take on that match. I just, when I look at Brock Lesnar, I don't understand the booking of him not in the main event, but in this match, I just don't get it. Give us your take, sir. Well, I mean, the the, the problem with, with Lesnar is, you know, like who do you put against him? Uh, you know, he's mowed down so many opponents. He's, um, you know, I mean, the weird thing about the Lesnar character right now, for me, is the fact that, you know, last year's WrestleMania, he was not pinned to to lose his title. Um, right. He has yet to get his rematch for that title. He's not pinned at fast lane to, you know, lose his number one contendership. I mean, this is a guy character-wise that should be, you know, balls to the walls, pissed off as hell that he doesn't have a shot at the title, and that should be where the character wants to go. Um, that being said, I mean, you got to call a spade a spade, and you got to be uh, fair about things. Dean Ambrose is over. Uh, oh, no, definitely. Him, and I agree with you. I mean, he does look like a hobo. Uh, you, you wish they could at least do 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 something a little bit different with his with his his look and his outfit. Please. But this is going to be as as the immortal Dusty would say. There's going to be a lot of plunder, baby, in this matchup. Uh, this this is the match that's going to be you know. I'm I'm honestly hoping that they'll book it where Dean Ambrose will lose. This is going to be a match, though, where Dean Ambrose is going to take an exorbitant amount of punishment, and somehow Lesnar just can't put him away. This is going to be the match that they're going to they're going to try and sell you on Ambrose just being a guy that will never give up, no matter what the odds are, how it's stacked against him, and. So I think this is going to be a, a fun, violent, violent matchup. I agree with you physically. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I do think the the match is going to be fun. And honestly, with their verbiage, although I do think a lot of people overrate Dean Ambrose, he's not bad on the mic. And I think him and Paul Heyman heading towards WrestleMania will wind up being a lot of fun. So, yeah, albeit it's a weird pairing, I still think it's going to be fun, and I'm curious to watch this develop over time. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, Ken. You talked you talked about, um, you know, Dean Ambrose being over. He's definitely over. There's no doubt about that. Totally agree, by the way. I do think he's overrated. Um, but, you know, people compare him to Brian Pillman. But even Pillman, there was more muscle. He just looked more legit. And my, my prediction for this match, I know Joe's going to go and then, you know, uh, King Firehawk, but 
My prediction for this match is that Dean will get murdered, and I mean literally. Brock will actually <laughs> kill him in the middle of the ring, and then he'll go to jail, and that's how WrestleMania is going to end because that's it. That, that'll be the end of this match. But Joe, you want to chime in, sir? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Great analysis there, Dave. <laughs> he literally kills him. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, cool. uh, I that like. makes WrestleMania hot then. <laughs> I definitely hear you guys um, uh, on Dean Ambrose. I mean, the guy, the fans love him, uh, but to pit him against Brock Lesnar, the, my first initial reaction was just what Ken was saying. It's going to be a huge spot fest where, like, he's going to take, like, 10 F5s, and Dean Ambrose is just going to kick out every time. To make it a no-holds-barred match, when, when they ma- announced that, I believe, last night, I thought immediately that somebody would actually come in and actually help Dean Ambrose actually win the match. I thought this was the perfect time to have a run-in with uh, bring back Seth Rollins from his injury, uh, a, fa- a face Seth Rollins, because I think him coming back as a face will be a huge pop, and actually helping him beat Dean Ambrose, uh, help him beat Brock Lesnar, is the way to go with this match. <laughs> yeah, help him beat himself. <laughs> no, no. I meant Seth Rollins coming in helping his right. uh, former Shield brother beat uh, Brock Lesnar. So uh, that's the that's the first thing I actually thought about after um, the whole spot fest, like taking ten f five. I, I feel like this is the perfect time to bring back Seth Rollins as a face and have him destroy or help him destroy Brock Lesnar and help um, that start that feud uh, post WrestleMania. Any thoughts on that, uh, King Firehawk? I like that scenario, but first let me say, you know, it's hard as a Lifelong Hulk Hogan fan to say Hulk Hogan. My lifetime as a wrestling fan, there's never been anyone better than Brock Lesnar. Let me let me say that again. No one has ever been more believable. No one has ever had a better backstory, and no one more legit in the history of wrestling to me than Brock Lesnar. When I watch, I Brock could agree Lesnar, with that. I totally forget anything I ever know about Wink Wink. What's about wrestling? I go right into kayfabe like I did when I was eight, nine, or whatever, and I just believe, like everyone else, it doesn't matter if there's a chair in the ring and Brock's coming out to fight the chair. It's going to be fantastic (laughs) anyway. It's the truth. The guy is like watching Mike Tyson in his heyday to me. Now, Dean Ambrose, fortunately for me, I've seen him when he was Moxley on the indie scene. I see the guy take a saw to the head. Me too. And CW and all that crazy stuff. So yep. I already have the, the advantage of thinking this guy has always been tough. And I know this is a stretch, but I view him like a poor man stone cold because he doesn't <laughs> he, he can't be loved. He can be loved or hate. He's like a middle of the road guy, but he's out there just to fight. And and, and he's like, a, like I said, mind you, a poor man stone cold. He always reminds me of, in a way, when he comes out, it doesn't matter what side the fence he's on, he's always the same. Maybe like Piper when he was good or bad, too, for that matter. But uh, he can take an ass-kicking, and he will. The worst thing would be for him to get some cheese win over Brock. The best thing would be at the end, when he's half-dead, Brock to give him total respect and go, man, this guy's like my little brother now. Look at this beating he took. And I think that's the perfect role for him going forward. And you couldn't, and I know what you're saying. It's like Brock's not in the main event for the belt is let down there, and there's no one left, right? Who's left in the card unless you bring in an old school guy or, you know, The Rock or somebody, or you're getting Austin out of retirement, so ain't going to happen, or Goldberg and this and that. Somebody, they got to start making some new super, super duper stars. 
So I, I like I like the secondary purpose of Brock Lesnar that night. Like I said, everyone will debate it up until the show, but when he walks out, debate over. Everybody is not going to the bathroom. Everyone's watching TV, and so is Sports Center. So I, I think that's a great moment uh, in the making. So I, I'm 100% buying that stock. I'm up on it, man. Well, I'll take that turn and face too, like you said, coming back because I miss Rollins. So that works for me. The problem, too. the problem I have with that though is that Brock is technically a face, so you have three faces in the same, you know, the same kind of thing. Um, now I look at wait, this wait, match wait, 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 again. I, 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 that's a strong stretch for technically. I mean, technically, look at the way he just beat the hell out of people in the ring, and he's throwing people all around at the yeah, ring. He's not actually a nice guy. Listen. But the fans love it. Well, then, if you want to go that route, then we can go back to Stone Cold because I wanted to touch on that point. Austin wasn't a typical face. I mean, he did things that nobody did, but the fans loved him. And really, at the end, that kind of is what makes you a face. And, well, you know, well, when, wait, you, when you talk... But, but in today's environment, here's my here's my thinking on this, right? And I'll shut up for you, my man. But uh, <laughs> that's where the money is these days. If you're a pure face, you're nothing. And if you're a pure heel, right. which there's no such thing as being allowed to be a real traditional heel anymore. I mean, a real old school piper in your face type heel or flair back in the day. So, because then you become loved somewhat. So the money's in the guy who's down the fence, loves you, loves that fan, hates that one, loves that fan, hates that one. And everyone is popping to it. So if he can achieve the stone cold fence side, Yes, the back end, there's nothing you can do like Stone Cold tried against The Rock at a WrestleMania to turn heel again, and nobody's buying it. But, I mean, if you're living in that box, though, you truly don't even have to really turn heel. Just do a lot of heel things. So it's a rarefied air to be in that area, I think. And Brock can take Ambrose there. So, you know, and who knows what Ambrose and – you know Ambrose and Rollins are eventually going to have an issue. So – uh, better better pedigree to put on the guy. I like it. I like it, man. No, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, definitely it's better to have Brock on the card than not at all. I just I look at this match and I'm like, I literally see Dean like a rag doll just being f five into oblivion. But we want that, right? And, well, don't I, you I want see, that? I personally don't because I don't I don't find the interest in this match. And again, I like Dean Ambrose, but you talk about a poor man's Stone Cold. He looks like Steve Austin. If Steve Austin had a bad toupee and the beer oh, went like straight Ambrose. to his, his <laughs> listen, wait, hold on. The, the beer went straight to his look, and he just lost everything, lost every ounce of muscle that Steve Austin had. That's what you have with Dean Ambrose. And I just look at him, and I'm like, man, I just, I just don't see it against Brock Lesnar. But like Ken said, it kind of you have this catch twenty two. Lesnar is so over, he's so big, he's such a monster, legitimately, like you said, Pat, that how do you possibly, who goes up against him, other than, unless well, you can clone Brock? That's the million-dollar question. Wait, wait, wait. That's the million-dollar question. What do you guys all feel about that? I, go around the room, man, because that's the question that the WWE can't even answer for you. Because they look in that locker room, and Kevin Owens, as much as I like to see it, it doesn't help him to get kicked ass by uh, Brock. So just give me your first thought, guys. Who Who is the guy that, instead of Ambrose and no title match, what's Brock going to do WrestleMania? What would you have him do? I, I'd love to know. See, to, Go- to me, what I would do is I would have him scour the indies and just get a guy named Ken Reedy to go up there against oh, Brock Lesnar yeah. and take a beating for 20 I, minutes. 
Barnaby <laughs> gets a tremendous insurance policy and taken out before the match. <laughs> and how many F5s like, can you handle? <laughs> like, as far as, you know, it, uh, Pat, you know, to your point, and, and I, I, I do see Ambrose, you know, he has a bit of that Stone Cold feel. And the funny thing is with it, again, poor man Stone Cold, I get that. But I feel like, and the weird thing is, is the booking in the WWE, and they've almost tried to book Roman Reigns in this kind of stone-cold role. You know, the anti-authority, the, the, right. the man is coming down on him. And when you look at the two characters, it almost makes more sense if they flip-flopped. If, if Ambrose was the one that won the triple threat match, and you had him going after, you know, he takes the beat down at the end of Raw, He's the anti-establishment guy. I, you know, you almost feel like that might fit a little bit better. And then, you know what, maybe you put Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar, a rematch of last year's uh, main event. The title is not online, on the line. This is just for bragging rights, and you have a knockdown drag-out brawl between two bigger guys. And that might make more sense. I just I don't mind the Ambrose-Lesnar booking. But I do feel like the Roman Reigns thing, it's just over and over again. It just seems like it's been crammed down our throat. They're forcing him on us. And I like Reigns. I think Reigns has got some talent. I think he's got a lot of potential. But they're really forcing him on us. And this, this, you know, trying to kind of create this stone cold kind of feel with Roman has just not worked. I I love the beat down at the end of Raw last night. I thought that was awesome. Um, I just wonder when you think WrestleMania and you think of Roman Reigns, you know, perhaps beating Triple H to a chorus of boos. I don't know if that's what WWE wants. I just feel like Roman Reigns has been a victim of some bad booking. Now, I mean, you're right, and uh, that's pretty good because I, that, that was my next topic was that I thought Roman Reigns versus Brock made a lot of sense uh, non-title because the guys – the the two of them actually didn't really wrestle. I mean, they wrestled for a good 90% of the time one-on-one last WrestleMania, but to have them settle their feud um, at this WrestleMania one-on-one with no interference, no vacation, or nothing like that would have been a decent opponent for Brock Lesnar since, again, he's not going to be the title pitcher. I mean, the other option is if you want Brock Lesnar to have a spot fest, have him win, I know this is going to sound bad, but have him win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal where you put in, like, every single person and, like, he just, just just destroys everybody in about, like, 30 seconds and just have him go nuts and then, you know. Have mentor it anyway. Let him do both things. Let him do both. That's right. I mean. <laughs> just put him, like, because enough injuries. Let's just give him, like, five or six matches on the card. Right, exactly. That's a good point. I'd go for that. So, you know, I, I got to jump in with Reigns there. I'm a huge fan of Reigns, and I know on the rarity where I'm really into the Triple H Roman Reigns thing because I have to admit, I always come in the circle with uh, Triple H, and I'm back to where I started, where I, I kind of dig him again, what he's done with Next. Uh, big Motorhead fan, what he said at Lemmy's Wake was really awesome. And hey, let's, let's, let's do the, the sheet on Triple H. The guy's got a big set on him because – He's dating. He dated the owner's daughter, which could have been career suicide. Ended up marrying her, and look what he's doing, right? I know. I know he has a lot of negatives, but I think it's time really to say Triple H has more positives. And what he did last night with Roman and he bloodied him all over the place. I, let me tell you, 
No knock on Daniel Bryan, which I'm a gigantic fan of, but comparing um, him, because that's where it's been the last couple of years, at 4 in the morning when I open my door, am I afraid of Daniel Bryan? No. Am I afraid of Roman Reigns standing there? Hell yeah. That's why he's being pushed, and I have no problem with his push. He's got comes from a professional wrestling legacy family. He's paid his dues, whether people want to say it or not. He's made the towns, gone on the road, done with you know, dealt with injury. Yeah, the WWE put some corny shit on him, but you know, at the same time, people need to give the guy a break. The guy looks the part. He looks like a monster. He looks like a champion that's worth defeating. So the people that come after him, that he's not Kevin Nash and Diesel, which was garbage. This is this is like. You know, the second coming of, like, one of those, I hate to say this as a man, you got a, a pretty handsome, damn Samoan-looking killer that you could put in as the champion. And they've done everything right, to get some cheap. <laughs> All right, I'm telling you, it's okay to say another man that's is handsome monster. when you're okay. But I'm just you know telling what? you, I'm just telling you, I'm it's into that. It's 2016, it's fine, Pat. It's okay, yeah. man. We all love Dalton Castle and Ring of Honor, right? Uh, you know, forty PWPR, the home of pro wrestling podcast radio. More, we're very open <laughs> to all things. Apparently, <laughs> as funny as um, as this sounds, but uh, the WWE tries to promote themselves as this PG era, and uh, I thought last night was anything but a PG show. I mean, you had hell yeah, you got a lot of empty seats in Texas. Forget that. <laughs> Stockholders no, like you. money. They don't like blood, but they'll take the blood money, man. Yeah. Thanks to Byron. By the way, the blood was thanks to Byron Saxon. I don't know if you saw that video on on social media, yeah, where, but Byron Saxon. Yeah. Got good seats, man. Uh, who? Where's Ken sitting in Texas? Ken, did you you got good seats for WrestleMania? Yeah, I have no idea where seats are WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're well, in the state. Like, like, my girl actually makes all the arrangements. Like, oh, we got the tickets. Yeah, I could. Ken's in hey, the parking lot for WrestleMania. Just so you know. I'm sitting on Jerry's big screen TV. All right, there you go. Yeah, Ken's going to look at it. right next to Shane as he falls off it. Ken's going to look at it. Better in the Meadowlands and not seeing half the ring. Well, that's what I was going to say. Ken's going to look at his tickets. He's going to say MetLife on it. He's like, oh, great seats, great seats. Where did you get these tickets from? But let's touch upon the so-called main event of WrestleMania and then talk about what a farce it is about the um, because I, I've always ripped the WWE Hall of Fame and uh-huh. to have the, the latest member of uh, the oh, Godfather geez. getting. But we're going to talk about the Godfather listen, to end it, but just like the guy's career when everyone would go to the bathroom during it, right? They have a restroom bathroom break wing at this Hall of Fame one day. So in that era, you know, wing you'll have the Godfather and you know the the conquistador. Everywhere, everyone you never paid attention to while you're going to the bathroom in the Hall of Fame. It'll be all in that Jeez. restroom wing, so he belongs there. Trust me. It, you know, it's one of those things, man. Where I, I, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, my co-host Dave brought it up, and it's a good point. He said, you know, what the WWE has done is, you know, they call it a Hall of Fame, but it's not. There's no building. It's a lifetime achievement award. And the hall that you worked here. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know. It's, the only one standing career, he had a couple characters that had some success. Um, but ultimately, you know, the Godfather is going to become another one of those, you know, Coco Beware types. That when someone asks, like, you know, oh, does so-and-so belong in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. Well, Godfather's in there. Okay, yeah, I guess you're right. He is a Hall of Famer. 
and that's you know he's gonna he, he kind of lowers the barometer, and I and I hate to say that about anybody, but uh, you know that's what happens there, and it's uh, you know it's one of those things that you know to me it's like we can joke and laugh about it, and, and it is funny, and the fact we could all say hey let's take the hoe train down to Dallas. Uh, the fact <laughs> of the matter is when you when you have like someone like that being inducted into the Hall of Fame, and you know like. You know, now it's rumored to happen, but let's face it, the Freebirds aren't in. Um, Rick right. Reed is not Rick in the Reed. Hall of Fame. And, and that's what, when you start to look at names like that, that's when it goes from, like, ha-ha joke, this is silly, to being like, all right, what the hell are you guys thinking? Like, that's a, like I'm not an idiot. Like, really? The Godfather's going in the Hall of Fame before Rick Rude? Is this really right. happening? And, and then they kind of get a little bit annoyed as a fan that, you know, just not it's it's not the right thing to do. I gotta Absolutely. know from from you, Dave and Joe and Ken. I gotta know this because this is this is gonna be big tomorrow night. Um, uh, uh, Jeff Edwards and AC from uh, the Cool Truth, and they do Blading for Truth and uh, Cool Cool uh, Cool Down Cool Down with AC that airs on our network on sixteen forty. They were they stooged to me yesterday. This is huge. Mm-hmm. I never watched the show, but Pawn Stars. Pawn Stars tomorrow, um, whatever they air With on whatever Sonny? network. I don't know. Is it that somebody on the show is going to be hawking or trying to hawk their Hall of Fame ring? And I had no clue it is because I haven't seen uh, – no one told me who it was yet. They're kind of keeping that tight. And I wondered if you guys heard about that or who you think it is. Sonny is like, you know, yeah, let easy money on her, right, for everything everyone, going through, right. The thing is, everyone's speculating Sonny, but from what I heard with her latest endeavor into adult films, um, and this is what I've heard because I've never actually watched an adult film, um, but I just heard that <laughs> part, of, part of the deal like she was going to sell her Hall of Fame ring, and the the company or the director or whatever was like, "I'll pay you this amount of money for the ring right. and for you right, to right, star yeah. in a movie." So I think mm-hmm. that's where her ring is. So I, if, if I had to guess, it's not Sunny. I just oh, wouldn't begin to guess who it is. Ah, I wonder. Well, the thing is, I hope it would be I do with the butcher. If you really think about it, the thing is that it could be anybody, any of the older wrestlers who's in financial trouble. There's so many different guys that it really right. could be. Sonny is the most um, the most current one, and obviously you hear about her wanting to sell the ring, et cetera, et cetera. I heard that there was kind of a feud between that show, Pawn Stars, and her. So I, I, maybe it's not her. Again, she's the first one that comes to mind. But it really could be anybody simply because a lot of these I guys guess. are in financial difficulties and financial problems. I mean, hell, it could be, uh, you know... It, it could be Hillbilly Jim. I don't even know if he's in the Hall of Fame. I think about it, but I it could be anybody. Yes, he he's in. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's all you need to know about the WWE Hall of Fame. But it, it's an interesting point that you guys are bringing up. And Joe, Joe is an absolute like you know wretch when it comes to the whole Coco Beware thing. But it what I don't get and what I've never understood putting in guys as characters. I don't understand Charles Wright going into the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Shame. As the Godfather, I don't understand Scott Hall going in as Razor Ramon, or you know, uh, sorry, Diesel, Kevin Nash going in. All that stuff. I, I've never, I don't understand the, the the character thing because I understand, you know, Triple H one day not going in as Paul Levesque. I get that he's been, but he's Triple H his whole career pretty much in the WWE. 
when you look at the that does that's what doesn't make any sense to me because Charles Wright, yeah, he was in the WWE for a very long time, but he was a, he played the Godfather for a relatively short period. So why is he going in as the Godfather? And uh, to my further point, why is in this PG PC era of WWE, why are they putting in a guy who was a quote unquote pimp? who, like Ken said, and I know that's how Ken is getting down to Texas, he's booked on the whole train, but how is it that this guy is going in as the godfather in this era of WWE? I, I, that I don't understand. More to the point of what's interesting is that Sting is a, is a born-again Christian, so to be on the right. the, same, the same bill is, <laughs> is kind of kind of weird as well. I, I don't get the... I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't get the character thing. I, I could almost wrap my brain a little bit more around, you know, the man, you know, Charles being inducted into the right. Hall of Fame as opposed right. to, like, you know, at least you're encompassing everything. And it's weird because even, even looking back on, like, Razor Ramon, is Razor Ramon, Razor Ramon in and of that character, is Razor Ramon really a Hall of Famer? Scott Hall no, is. but Scott Hall is. Scott Hall yeah, is. right, exactly. Scott Hall, you look at everything, Scott Hall is a Hall of Famer. Um, so I, I don't get it either. And there, and there was rumors that, you know, Kevin Nash, that they were pushing him to get inducted as Diesel. And he was like, no, I'm going in as Kevin Nash. Like, you can either have me as Kevin Nash or you just you won't have me on the on the show. And they relented and let him go, and go in as Kevin Nash. But it is, I, I don't know, I find it odd that they, they feel the need to to induct the Godfather. I, at this point, I think I'd rather see Papa Shango go in then if they're going to induct a character and let him do some like <laughs> voodoo ceremony instead of a speech and then walk off the stage. All I know <laughs> is that this makes, this gives, uh, it takes Coco Beware off the shelf as considered the worst Hall of Famer. And I got to tell you very quickly, very quickly. Coco is the worst. Uh, I had Mr. Trivia from the Top Rope Report on with me once, and we got Coco Beware on the show. I was doing what I call wrestling's greatest moments. This, this, there's a whole bunch of them. Long story short, Coco Beware did something that is one of the most brilliant things ever to happen in wrestling. In Memphis, back in the 80s, he won a television battle royal, and the prize was a black and white television. That was in lieu of money or belt. They gave him a television. It's on YouTube. So... Jimmy, um, handsome Jimmy Valent, okay, comes over, and he's all up in being almost downright racist to uh, uh, Coco Beware. And he goes, Coco is saying, oh, my mom is going to love this television. He takes the TV and smashes it right in front of him in the studio, stands over, and he's, like, picking up the pieces (laughs) of the television. And it's just, like, so sad. And then they went on for a feud for a little bit. And the point of that story is the simplicity of that which made it so much fun, which made you get up at whatever you did on Saturday morning to see that. That love is why when we talk WrestleMania, nothing we come up with, even that's fun and Shane McMahon's back, Brock's going to kill Ambrose and this and that. That simple (laughs) element is such a – it's super soup. Chicken soup is chicken soup, and it always tastes good. Simplicity to something like that is wonderful, and they don't do anything like that anymore, all leagues included. And uh, I got to tell you, though, for weird things like that, you got to watch Lucha Underground because I love that show. And I, I love that Jim Cornette hates it. it. makes me love it even more. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like so fun. Fun is the key word. But, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Go. <No. laughs> 
only only on pure gold uh, on the road to WrestleMania can we bring up the the name Coco Beware that really annoys the crap out of me when we talk about the Hall of Fame because <laughs> Coco hey, Beware. That road was paved by Coco and many before him, my man. The guy has All... done absolutely nothing. No titles. No, no. Never won a belt in his life. Had a bird on his shoulder. Probably took a crap every other Love every other match he that had. That bird was great. Mean, Speaking uh, of bird. I was over by our old studios in Ironbound Radio today as I worked five minutes from there. Did you get shot? And I saw the people I've ever seen in my life today. It was amazing. Uh, anyway, it has nothing to do with WrestleMania, but it had to be told. All right, we, we need to get to the last topic because we we really didn't touch upon it, but the, the main event, the so-called main event, is for the WWE World Heavyweight title. You have Triple H um, defending the title against Roman Reigns. And the reason why I want to bring this up to end our show is because it is the main event. The one question I have before we actually get into the match itself is, was it wise for the WWE to hijack the WWE World Heavyweight title for a couple months and have it put it on Triple H, who's the authority figure for the you know the WWE, and then won't now, defend it, won't wrestle, yeah. Yeah, he'll basically lose it at WrestleMania, not defend it one time, and um, I, I just don't know if that's the right move, uh, was the right move for the WWE at the time. I just felt like... If Triple H was going to wrestle full-time again, okay, put the title on him. But for him to be the authority figure and now also have the title, I, I just thought that was just the wrong move. Ken, what do you think? Uh, I don't mind it. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I like Triple H a lot. I, I, um, I'm a big fan of his, and I, I think he uh, he gets it uh, behind the scenes. I think he's doing a lot of good for the business. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's, as a traditionalist, yeah, you know, it, it, it hurts me because in my head it's, you know, you have to defend the belt every 30 days. You have to. Or you're going to be shit. You know, that's the rule. <laughs> yep. And, yep. you know, over the past few years, whether it was The Rock, uh, you know, they, they nursed CM Punk through an injury. Um, you know, that 30-day thing has just kind of gone out the window. So it, it doesn't bother me. In fact, it just, to me, adds to his character that it's like, yep, I'm the authority figure. Yep, I got your title. And, yep, I'm going to defend it whenever I goddamn want to defend it. So how do you like that? I mean, it just makes him a bigger dick. You know, it's, um, the <laughs> problem is, as big an asshole as they're making the character Triple H, he's over. I mean, they're chanting Triple H while he's beating the hole in oh, the yeah. out of Roman Reigns last night. People so, love I mean, it. As much as I think he's done a nice job at being this authority figure, I think he's done a really good job at being, you know, that consummate heel. I think he's got a real good grasp of psychology, especially that heel psychology. Um, however, again, I do wonder about this main event only because of how the crowds have been reacting. You're not going to get that, as, as again, as big an asshole as Triple H has been over the past few months, you're still not going to get that straightforward heel face reaction. In fact, you, if you get that heel face reaction, it may actually be the exact opposite and we may see Roman Reigns almost getting a prototypical heel reaction uh, from that crowd. So, uh, to your point, I mean, I think it's going to be an entertaining matchup. I think these two have styles that will complement each other. I think uh, it should be fun. The, the, the setup should be intriguing. I just wonder how the crowd is going to receive this match. Uh, but your question, I don't mind Triple H hijacking the belt, so to speak. I think it just kind of... Add to him being a, a jerk. What about 
What about Roman Reigns? Um, is he following the footsteps of John Cena, where he just can't get over anymore, and the crowd just can't get into him? Like, do they have to repackage Roman Reigns? What do they need to do for him to get over? Because it seems like they spent a whole year. The experiment has failed miserably. Two years, actually. And, well, the past two years, and now he's back in the I, main I, event again. I think there's a few problems with Reigns. I think the the booking um, with him has been terrible. It's been up and down at best. Um, so I think even with like you know he, his character is gaining momentum, gaining momentum. He's he's getting more cheers and boos. <laughs> then they book him in the Royal Rumble, and what was AJ Styles? Two, three, three. Yeah, so like, three. So, like, so, so you, you know, you have like Reigns, who is kind of garnering a certain amount of sympathy, a certain amount of support. And what do you do? You put AJ Styles, a, a guy who everyone's dying to see in third against Reigns. So of course that precipitates the whole let's boo Reigns, let's cheer for AJ, and it kind of started that negativity towards Reigns again. So I do think the WWE and their booking has left a little bit to be desired as far as um, building him. I think there's a repackaging that, that needs to be done with him. I think they need to stop trying to feed him lines like John Cena. Roman Reigns is an ass kicker, period. That's what he is. He's a big, tough son of a bitch that needs to be that. A man of few words, no corny jokes ever, and just, just be an ass kicker. And, you know, the, the, he should never have a lengthy promo. Uh, and, and those are things they need to change, uh, to me, to get that character more over. The other thing, if you really want Roman Reigns to stand out, lose the Shield music and lose the Shield outfit. Both both Ambrose and Rollins have gone out on their own with, with a lot of success, and they've kind of distanced themselves from the Shield gimmick. You know, he's got the same entrance, the same music, the same outfit as he did in the Shield. You've got to change it up a bit. I joke, and I say, you know, when you see Roman Reigns coming down to the ring, he's like a guy who's, you know, graduated high school five years ago and still is prancing <laughs> around with his varsity jacket thinking who the hell he is. You know, like, we, it, needs, it needs to evolve, you know. The shield is dead. The shield is gone. You know, maybe someday we'll see a reuniting and we can bring back, you know, the whole vibe of the shield. But I, I do think it's not a total repackaging, but I do think there's there's a few tweaks they really need to look at to help the character. But I like him. I think he's got a lot of potential. I just think uh, the WWE has missed the boat a bit with him. I, I thought they would chime in right now. No, oh, <laughs> no, wait, uh, sorry. I, I thought that you guys hung up. I was a little confused there. No, no the no. thing is, I don't I, like. I don't like. Never hang- I get, hold on, Pat. Let me let me. You'll get to you in a second. I'm not a fan of Roman Reigns, but I totally. I was say, I was actually messaging Joe. Um, I think Ken is right on so many levels. There's so many things wrong with Roman. The way he's been presented, he's not great on the microphone. He really should be a man of few words. And unfortunately, he just you know they put him in these bad promos and these bad situations and stuff. Um, but I you know I'm not looking forward to this as a main event with the title on the line. If it was another match. If it was just, you know, bragging rights or whatever, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But then again, going back to what we were talking about before, I would have loved to have seen Lesnar against Roman, you know, even if it's a non-title or whatever the case is. But, um, you know, Pat, what about you? What do you think of the whole Roman Reigns situation? Well, I I am a big fan of Roman Reigns. And to me, unless Seth Rollins is healthy enough to come down and screw Triple H because they have heat that's yet to been exploded. 
you know, and go that way, or he screws over uh, Roman in order to beat Amanda, you know, get back at Triple H. You know, any of that's cool, but I like Triple H. I like Roman Reigns. I'm very high on Roman Reigns, very high on the guy. And you know what? Him winning, and, and he's going to have to fight the fight against Triple H, and he's going to get his ass kicked in the on the road to WrestleMania. It's just going to make it better for me when AJ Styles wins the belt next year, which I'll love. Or when Nakamura, <laughs> who is the real main event for me that whole weekend when he debuts it next, gets out there and, you know, he's he's putting on a show and maybe against Reigns or something. You know, or Owens gets I just like the possibilities of Roman as champ against the matchups, against Owens, against uh, maybe a Zig. I just like it. I like it the way it looks better than anyone else with the belt because I want to see those guys overcome the height and the muscle stuff. And uh, you know what? If you got to turn Roman heel eventually for, for that because he'll be cheered, so be it. But, you know, I, I get what you guys are saying. I totally understand it. But at the same time, I I've, I have a whole new philosophy how I watch the WWE since uh, we all aired together back in the day. It, they've let me down so much in the, the things I miss as a kid that I love Batman. I love reading Batman comics. Every Batman comic issue, is it a good, enjoyable issue? No, but I keep reading them. And, I, and someone, some weeks they're really good. Some weeks, ah, I don't like that villain. Bring me to Joker or something. But the point being is I never read the comic book going after 40 years, right? Uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne, eh, he's, you know, I, I don't believe he can beat guys anymore or that, any of that. I let all that go. <laughs> now I watch the WWE like I'm reading a comic book. And Triple H, I, I throw out the age. They're ageless to me. Um, and I say that because Roman Reigns, to me, on uh, if you go into kayfabe world, he looks like he could beat everybody in the arena that night except Brock Lesnar. So I want him as champ from that aspect. And I want to believe and will that way. Because if you really dissect the WWE these days, you're just going to be let down and really bored. But if you go back to kayfabe, I got to tell you, I, I get all my wrestling news seriously. And, and this is not me with the cheap plug here. It's just true. The show is on the 1640 PWPR platform. You know, Ken and the top rope, I'm, I'm telling you, when they're covering WWE in the world of wrestling, they have one point of view. And we have a lot of former wrestlers with the blind tag and with Joey Image and Body Snatcher St. Jones giving you another uh, form. And then we have WWE haters. I just like to be in the middle these days where what's wrong with Roman Reigns? The, the point's... That he's been pushed. Everybody's been pushed in the history of business. That's how it works. Push, push, push. But because we live in the world we live in now, you know, where every you can't wipe your ass with it being all over the internet. Everyone likes to talk the talk. But I firmly Jeez. believe. I firmly believe we all think like in the Wizard of Oz. We're at the curtain and we see the dog and the old man there running the show. I really think there's still another curtain, and they laugh at us for thinking we're behind the curtain. And I don't know what Ken is learning uh, as the American Bulldog over uh, for IWF, but I bet there's a secret society out there when you're going through wrestling. There's still a part of the curtain we have no clue about, and they figured out a way to counter-maneuver our smart-mark-isms, if I may say so. And just to end that sentence, that's why I love Roman Reigns, because everyone else hates him. I hate the dumb sheep fans. They, They... 
gave me the John Cena error. I called them responsible. And uh, Roman's a different direction and a great matchup for everyone else that you love. So that being said, that's what King Firehawk thinks. Pat, man, I think you, I think you have the potential for a side business of just like like a wrestling fan therapist. Oh, I can't. <laughs> you just, you just kind of like, can't, as a disgruntled wrestling fan, just it? lay down on the couch and you'll make us feel better. Holy shit, dude. I have a, I, I'm in the studios here of King Firehawk. I, I bet, I bet if we really worked this hard, there would be fans if we had like, you know, if we had like Joey Ryan appearing here signing autographs and at the same time you could sit on a wrestling psychiatrist's couch, we would, we would, it would be the next big thing. Dude. I love it. Good idea, Ken. I I'll give you I'll give you some profit <laughs> since it's your idea. You're on you're on national uh podcasting worldwide with ideas, so I gotta take care of you, my man. <laughs> hey guys, this was fun tonight. Thanks for having us on. Oh, thank no, you. Definitely. Hey, no definitely. bullshit. I, I say this to Dave when we text and, and same to you, Joe. You always been good to me. I still get credentials to go to the Comic Cons and stuff because of the affiliation of Ironbound Radio, and I I will always be here to uh, be a be a friend to you guys because let yep. me tell you what we evolved into. I feel that was the bastard father, and what we have now is the bad child that grew out of that. And it's it's I'm telling you, uh, I can't thank you enough. All kidding aside, not King Fire. This is me, Pat, talking now. You you came to me when I was done doing this shit and. You brought us back, and with all the crazy stuff that went on there, you helped plant the seeds for where we are all today. And, hey, seriously, dude, I, I'm a fan, so thanks, man. Now, well, listen, before... we, we, wait, uh, Joe, hold on. Uh, we definitely appreciate you guys coming on. i got to say, this show will probably be deleted from our archives with all of the expletives and just uh, oh, really? the general foul <laughs> language being thrown out there with, you know, we're supposed to be PG, but this show totally oh, went I off didn't... the rails when it came to that. But the whole other side story, oh, wait, wait, you'll wait, get a nice cold. super kick next I time I see like that. I apologize. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, these are the S-bombs. They're still, they're still pretty PG. It's cool. Hey, uh, PG-13, maybe. I'll air it on our network, and don't worry about it. Don't give me the other side This is PG after hours, so shut the uh, yeah, F-up ball. Uh, you know. It's like that 12.15 at night. We, you got me to... I'm half asleep. You want me to, to, to talk uh, the, the Queen's English here at midnight? 9 a.m., you got me talking good language. Now, good Pat, boy. Pat and Ken, before we let you go, I just want to mention that on June 3rd, and I don't know if this is considered cheating or not on the IWF, but we're we're having a promotion here. I live in Woodridge, New Jersey now. We're having a wrestling promotion right here in town in Woodridge on June 3rd if you guys want to come up. Uh, north to Bergen County or south for you, Ken, and um, come to a wrestling show. We're going to have a, a benefit to raise money for, I believe, the Woodridge High School. And Jake the Snake Roberts and a couple other uh, former guys are going to be up here headlining um, the show. So it's June 3rd up in Woodridge. So if, you, if you're interested, um, I could get you a ticket and I could uh, meet you at the door if you're interested. All right, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll check your calendar. That sounds nice. Okay, let me tell you you know what you should there be you giving out there? The 8x10 yeah. promos of the American Bulldog, because Ken Reed is good <laughs> as the American Bulldog in his promo pictures, man. I tell you. You know, I thought he I gotta, was like Bill Paxton at first from Twister, and then I looked again, and he was all that. grizzled. Damn good. Ken, Listen, you, you look like I, Bill Paxton a little. What was that? 
I just, you look like Bill I Paxton. I just got to say. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, I just got to say. I was, I was thinking American Bulldog would tell those funny jokes like Bill Paxton to just go kick ass. That's that's my image of you. But those 8 by 10s you got as American Bulldog, damn good, man. You and Michelle. Thanks, man. You definitely got the right gimmicks, man. I'm telling you. I appreciate it. You, the man. funny thing <laughs> is, this whole this whole night has just been a total love fest between Pat, a one-sided love fest between Pat, uh, you know, and Ken, because Pat has talked more about Ken's wrestling career than Ken did <laughs> before he even hey, came on the show, and he's calling the American honest. Bulldog at least 15 times. And I have to be honest, I love Joe the most out of all of you. There you go. <laughs> well, I just, Joe, you know why? Located. For one reason. Here's why, Joe. I'll never forget when we were at Ironbound. I had no idea that that was not a soundproof studio room, right? That yeah. everyone could hear everything. <laughs> I never forget just talking loud as hell, and you just turning over looking at me, and the look you gave me was so priceless, <laughs> and then that guy started complaining. I had no idea it was soundproof. That everyone learning computers that you know would be affected, but yeah, Joe's number one in this room. I'm sorry. What a long yeah, well, trip it's been. Definitely, definitely. Listen, guys, we thank you so much for coming on the air. I mean, I don't think we'll ever have Pat on since he just said that uh, Joe is his favorite. That's a whole other story. Yeah, but I, I can't. I, Joe does something for me, man. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Listen, and he invited Ken, you're, you're me welcome to come to on to Jake the Snake Show. Come on, man. Yeah, come Dave, on up, Joe. As long as Kevin Knight doesn't go nuts on me, come up, on, come on up, Kevin Kenny. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, man. I'll, yeah, definitely back. This is a good time. Yeah, I'll text Thanks you. Thanks for having me, fellas. I'll definitely. No, no you. problem. Thank you so much. And you're right, welcome anytime, easy, Pat. Not, hey, not, not it's so been much. good, man. Anytime, and I love you guys, man. Peace out, man. <laughs> All right, bye. Take care. Good night. We are the home of pro wrestling podcast radio and more. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta love Woo. this, Pat. We're basically hanging up on Pat, telling him he's no longer welcome on the show, and he's still promoting it. <laughs> That's usually how I end up leaving, hung up on. <laughs> oh Gentlemen, man, have, have a good, good one, Pat. <laughs> All right, man. Be good, guys. Later. Take care. Oh man, that, I, I gotta admit, sir, that was fun. We have not had a show that I've laughed so much and just enjoyed it, talking so much. And the funny thing is, we only got through like half of. We only got through like three matches, and we spoke for almost an hour and a half. That's crazy, sir. Well, you know, they only have three matches so far, so I think we did a good job of breaking down each and every angle from here to there. Yeah, breaking it down from pillar to post, sir. I mean, good stuff. Definitely yeah. good stuff. I just want to touch on one topic before we end the show because it's late, and, you know, I'm probably screaming. Yeah. I'm sure my, I don't my want neighbors to are going to hate us, Steve. Oh, of course. I'm sure my neighbors are going to hate me, but um, this is no, totally no. off the beaten path. Wait, so that gets it? I was saying I don't I don't want our our producer our co-host our uh, you know the creator of the show to fire us if we don't get this one nugget in there. Go ahead. Oh, of course, and well, you you're the guy you're the nugget man so to speak. So uh, you take it away, sir. Well, I mean, I got this from our um, our producer and um, you know our director and all that good stuff behind the scenes, Kelly telling me that we need to touch upon this one nugget, which is um, she gave me a website called www dot parentalrights.org backslash 20 things and it's about basically the American bar trying to pass a uh, law and I can't even get into it because I'm not, I can't connect so tell me what you think and I'll give you my thoughts in a second sir well basically you know uh, like you said Kelly did send this to us um, 
you know, there's there's this thing, 20, needs, 20 things you need to know about the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child. And apparently this is, a, this is something that has been enacted in other countries and the United Nations wants the United States to adopt it. And the bottom line on it, it basically... It would it would come into effect and it'd be binding on American families and courts and you know policymakers and whatnot, and of course you know children in other nations wouldn't be impacted or it really has nothing to do with them, but it would pretty much automatically override all American laws on children and families because of the U.S. Constitution supremacy clause, um, and it has certain things in it. And one one of the main things and really the main thing that we kind of wanted to touch on is the fact that you know the. Let me look. Ten things you need to know about the substance of the CRC. Um, let's see. Um, sorry, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. You know, touch, look look at this as I'm talking to. You. All right. Well, one of the things that parents would no longer be able to administer reasonable spankings to their children. Um, now, a, a murderer, you know, who's less than 18, it could be 17 years, 11 months, et cetera, et cetera. They can no longer be sentenced to life in prison. Um, you know, you you have to talk about. One one of the main things, and here's the one that kind of gets me. It says Christian schools that refuse to teach alternative worldviews and teach that Christianity is the only true religion fly in the face of Article 29 of the treaty, and basically that you would get in trouble. So many different things again, but but one of the bottom lines is that you would get in trouble as a parent for trying to teach your child your religion, um, and and it's not just Christianity, but this is the part that I don't understand how this could ever pass. In this country, although we have been kind of going down a negative, uh, you know, road, um, when you look at, it, you know, Islam or you look at Judaism, I can't imagine this going over well with Jewish people because in in their culture, so many of them they raise their kids, you know, in the Jewish faith, and it's just kind of understood. They go to Jewish school, um, you know, you go to synagogue, you go, you celebrate Shabbos, et cetera, et cetera, and even with Muslims, like they do, they do similar things, you know, going to mosque, family stuff. Christians, I mean, it, it kind of makes me wonder if, you know, if, as, as I, I read this, would it be tantamount to us not being able to take our kids to church on Sunday? Because a child has to be allowed to decide which religion they want to follow, and you can't force your beliefs on them. And it's things like this that I don't understand how it could even pass, but apparently other countries are already, um, they already have this enacted, which I just don't understand, sir. It just doesn't make sense to me. You Right here, the top thing, children would have the ability to choose their own religion, while parents would only have the authority to give their children advice about religion. So it's like you can't push your views on your kids. Your kids have to make up their own mind, and you just kind of have to be there to be like a sounding board, which, as opposed to now where, like, I take my kids to church. My kids always want to go to church. You know, my, my, it's hilarious, but the little one, she'll, she'll mention, we don't even, it's, it's like a Tuesday night, and she could be like, Daddy, church? You go to church, Daddy? And I'm like, uh, no, it's not church. And then she'll randomly talk about it later on, which I think is hilarious because right now, we'll, you know, we only go on Sunday, so it's like we're going to church five days a week. But, you know, we've raised our kids in our faith, and to think about them having to choose on their own and us not being able to get involved, that doesn't even make sense, sir. And here, another one, a child's right to be heard would allow him or her to seek governmental review of every parental decision with which the child disagreed. I mean, that's insane, sir. The best interest of the child principle would give the government the ability to override every decision made by every parent if a government worker disagreed with the parent's decision. I mean, this basically would effectively take away all rights of us as parents, sir, and that's insane to me. Joe, you there? 
Joe? Hello. Uh, I don't know what happened. Joe, are, are you still there, sir? Looks like Joe hung up. I have no idea what's going on here. But, um, I mean, you know, that to me, that's insane. The whole idea of it is crazy. And I just uh, wanted to kind of touch on that. You know, as we as we're getting ready to close out the show here, I wanted to kind of touch on the idea of, you know, the insanity that you kind of see sometimes in the American legal system, and you seeing you're seeing it play out when it comes to politics and the craziness of Donald Trump, and you know some of the things that you get guys are saying. So it's just a it's a crazy world that we live in. I must say, and um, you know, again, I'm not really sure what happened to my uh, my co-host there, but. Thank you, folks, so much. Sorry, this this has been a crazy night. We had a ton of fun, a blast for everyone. You know, and we could always touch on this next week. Again, not really sure what happened to Joseph, but um, you know, we we thank you for listening. We thank you for checking us out. We thank you for being a part of the program. Got to thank Ken. Got to thank Pat. Again, I apologize for the awkward kind of ending here, but this show's kind of been all over the place in, in certain areas, and you know, the technical difficulties always mess us up, but. Thank you so much. Thank you, folks, for listening. Check us out, puregopg.com. I may have to edit this episode heavily, but I'm sure at some point it'll be on the website. So, you know, as I take us away, just just think about it. Check it out. It's uh, That website is parentalrights.org forward slash 20 things. You can check it out for yourself. Hopefully this never passes in this country because, I mean, you know, that's a slippery slope that we definitely want to take. But uh, let's, uh, let's close this bad boy out. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much, folks. Have a wonderful evening. And, of course, as always, let's go, Mets. Woo!